We are live for a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host, and as usual, I'm joined by Seth Wintraub. But uh, this week, we have a special guest, Taylor Hogan of Snowball, Snowball Capital, Clean Tech Investor. Though uh, Taylor is uh, better known in the Tesla community for his uh, his Twitter account, where he does a lot of commentary on the Tesla FSD program, which he tests on his own vehicle. So, uh, Taylor, let me uh, let me start it out uh, with a very easy question for you. Why do you hate Tesla so much? You know, um, it goes it goes really far back. Um, it's just, I, I can't think of a worse company out there. <laughs> really, awesome. <laughs> um, no, I, I've I, I would be the, a self-professed fanboy um, for a very long time. I've owned four Teslas. I still go to Tesla meetups. I camped outside Tesla showrooms. I helped with end of quarter delivery pushes. Um, it's just <laughs> a lot of people think that I'm overall negative on Tesla because I just simply disagree with their approach to uh, testing this full self-driving on public roads with non-consenting humans and drivers. Um, so it's, yeah, that gets conflated a lot, but it's I, I, overall, I, I think Tesla is a, a great company and there's a reason that I've owned four of their vehicles. I own the stock. Um, I, well, that that's what you say publicly, right? But yeah. in, in fact, you have a very large short position on Tesla. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think, I think the Tesla fan have proven that, haven't they? Yeah. Oh yeah. They, they, they always, every single day they're proving it. I just I can't keep up with it. Not not only that, can you uh, comment on the, a report here from um, this is a very official report that just been we've been sent to us from 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 Tesla fans out there uh, by a Mr. Warren Redlich that uh, exposes you as being uh, uh, writing under the pseudonym of Anthony Donati for Torque News with the very neg- negative reports on Tesla and. Uh, very positive one on Lucid, which shows that you're clear bias here against against Tesla. So, uh, can you comment on that? On is Anthony Donati your pseudonym as a writer for Torque News? I guess the cat's out of the bag. Uh, <laughs> that was probably the most ridiculous conspiracy theory I've heard. The crazy fanboys tout in it. Maybe ever. there's a. There's like fifty. Uh, there's like a huge thread of like fifty people on there. All I, I know. Good work. I know. It's crazy. I, I thought it was it was complete sarcasm, but no, I think they're they're very serious. Uh, <laughs> the guy, the actual what's his name, Anthony? He he DM'd me and he was like, "People are coming after me and saying like you you fraud, you crook." And I was like, "Yeah, welcome to my world." Um, yeah. And and then he was like, "Nice to meet you, by the way." <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so weird. Well, well, that that doesn't add up to me now because. If you're you're not short Tesla, you have no financial interest in seeing Tesla fail. Uh, but Tesla's fans, like like Mr. Warren here, are, are writing these these posts about you and attacking you in the media so much. Um, why would they be doing that? They cannot be doing that just because you have some criticism of one of Tesla's program, can they? Can't be right. Yeah, <laughs> the invisible hand. Because that's uh, no, basically what's nuts. happening right now. We, we've been facetious, of course, but yeah. um, we, we, we have this like right now in the comments right now already. Why uh, interview Tesla haters? This obviously, Mister Mister Hogan here is not a Tesla hater. Like he, he, there's there's been no evidence whatsoever that you have a short position on Tesla, and there's plenty of evidence of you uh, defending Tesla 
at least prior to the FSD program. I mean, I've seen yeah. a video of you. I don't know. Uh, was it in Connecticut? Uh, oh, oh you, yeah. Literally yeah. testifying on behalf of the Tesla community to allow Tesla to sell directly to consumers in the state of Connecticut. Yeah. So, so if you want to sound go, like something uh, a Tesla hater would be, yeah, with, with someone, yeah, like it, there, there's so much evidence that that shows that you're pro electric vehicles, you're pro yeah. Tesla, in fact. So let, let's talk about the actual real issue that you have with with, with the company and, and specifically the FSD program, which you have some some expertise to to talk about since you actually one of the the, the testers uh, of the program. You have it on your is it your Model Y. Yeah, my Model Y. Yeah, okay. um, the perspective I think that I also offer that very few, if not any of the beta testers don't offer, is that I also have been in actual robo-taxis, like all over the world. Um, there are a lot in China now that you can actually ride in. There are some in California. There are some in Arizona. Uh, and I think that it really puts it into perspective when you're in an actual car without a driver, And I'm not counting like Aptive in Las Vegas and stuff like that. I mean, Tesla's like quite comparable to, to that right now. Um, but but I have been in actual robot taxis, and this is just nowhere close. And the fact that so many people, that what really irks me is are people who have experienced it or even watched a video, but mostly the people who've actually experienced it. And then they they still go around saying that like, it's so close, just wait till version 10.10, just wait till mm -hmm. the... And it's it's like either they're 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 being so disingenuous. Um, so I kind of I kind of had enough, and I was like, look, let me post a video of like the real the real FSD drive, like on a, a typical one. It's not the craziest one either. It was just my colleagues were riding the car and they recorded it, um, and and I put it on Twitter. Um, I've I have a lot more videos. If, if they think that's crazy, geez, uh, it's just it's just not. I'm not seeing the same like the act what I'm actually experiencing on Twitter and on these YouTube videos. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's a crazy system right now. It's, it's improving slightly, but it's not a robot attack. Yeah. When did you uh, receive it on, on your vehicle? Did you, you went through the in October uh, in October. I, I was went... in that first batch uh, post safety score. Okay, okay. Okay. How did you end up getting a hundred safety score 99 or whatever? Mm. Uh, you drive, I drove 103 miles, I think. And just like a grandma late at night, It was gotcha. the easiest thing ever. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't even get out of my driveway without a uh, an alarm going off. So <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I'm like automatically never going to be, be in the FSD beta. Uh, but my neighbor, yeah. uh, he's in it. Um, I've driven with him quite a bit. Um, so I've gotten some experience oh, yeah? um, behind the FSD wheel. <laughs> It's kind of amazing. We, we, we chat about it quite a bit. Um, he took me on a ride one time. It was a little, it was like dusk. Um, he, he called it like, uh, you have to be able to, like, it's going to try to just kill you, like take you off the road at random times. So, you know, it gave him a level of anxiety while driving it. That was like, Hey, I'm, I'm a driving school instructor, except the, the driving, you know, the, the kid that's learning how to drive is on PCP right now. So like he might be driving okay for a few, you know, few miles or whatever, but all of a sudden it'll just veer right into traffic or whatever. So you have to be super high, like crazy mm -hmm. alert. And it's obviously not more relaxing than, you know, just regular driving. It's, it's more stressful, more anxiety inducing. And that's versus like 
autopilot, which, you know, if you're on a nice road that's flat and, and not curvy and, you know, traffic's not crazy, autopilot is like, uh, you know, better than cruise control. I love, I love autopilot. I, also for the people who think I'm only say negative things about Tesla, I was in a PBS documentary about the actual autopilot on the highway uh, touting how good it is. I was like, I mean, looking back on, it, I said some comments, they were like way too positive. Um, and, and I got hate for that too, from all the people who are like, you can't possibly, I said, I swear by it. And I love using it. And they're like, it's so dangerous. So, I mean, you're going to get hate no matter what, but, but yeah, it is really, really good on the highway. All of us have experienced it. Um, I've gone coast to coast road trip, uh, in, in, in my Tesla in a previous Tesla using, autopilot for probably over 95% of the drive. And it was awesome. It, it is like, it makes driving better. Um, but yeah, this, the, the FSD city streets is a whole nother animal. Yeah. And we're out in the suburbs. So it's even, it's not, it's not even good in the suburbs. It's good. Or Fred, you, you've tried it out in the, you know, like the, the exurbs or the, the middle of nowhere, I guess, but well, no, uh, more less city landscape. Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. The, the the complexity of it is like it's it's a city street, but to to be honest, it it does more than that. Like the autopilot just doesn't handle intersections at all, and obviously this is one of the most difficult part of of, of driving. So doing a more simple intersection is is something that it can handle to a degree um not a hundred percent success rate for sure but when you go to a situation like this like we're seeing right now this is one of taylor's video here in in boston uh where there's a several line you're doing an unprotected left turn right now um for some reason it looks like it thought that you could get on the oncoming lanes for a second and you have to correct it. This is something that happens a lot with it. Um, the the argument, and I would like to have your opinion on this, um, is the, the Tesla's approach to full self-driving, or just self-driving, really full self-driving is kind of a dumb term, but is is different than other automakers that are like mapping areas. It's, it's very like an AI, like machine learning based, deep learning approach that because of someone like you, like like that, like correcting the car, and and then like the fifty other thousand people that are in the program, it's going to improve a lot faster. And so, specifically on that, and with that in mind, so you, you say like that you you don't like the way that the, the people look at the program, the people that are in the program, and they share their thoughts on on them. Um, act as if like it's it's very close to safer than humans or very close to actually being a full self-driving system uh, a lot of those people are in california where the system has been kind of optimized for those roads and uh when you bring it to another place like like boston where you're probably one of a few people uh mm-hmm. trying the system there it's not quite ready for for, for that there uh do you have any comments on on those yeah, on that I mean, process a lot of people i almost wish that I didn't say Boston because this isn't Boston driving. I had to go outside mm. of like the main part of Boston because it's just not fun when it's just stop and go. And then like, it keeps messing up. Um, I mean, we're trying to give it a, a chance here. This is like quite residential actually, as far mm. as Boston goes. And yeah, Boston has crazy roads and everything, but this is, I've experienced this on suburbs in, in multiple States. Uh, and, and I get how some of these videos in California can, how they, after trying many times, they can get maybe a zero intervention drive. Uh, and it, it just, it's very, again, disingenuous to, towards a, an actual experience with it, even in California. 
anyone who has it knows that it's not as good as the videos on YouTube show it to be. Um, and so, and when I posted this, a lot of people reached out privately and actually a lot publicly saying, Hey, I've, I have to admit I'm a beta tester too. And this actually is very similar to my experience. Some people say quite a few people say it's a lot worse than their experience. Um, and also when, when I, we were just in, in my office the other day when we were deciding which like, Hey, should we show some clips of like how crazy it is? And my colleagues, they're all in this, in the car here. Um, they're filming. They, they were like, this isn't even the craziest one. I mean, people are freaking out about this. Um, and we don't even like re- looking back. We're like, was it that crazy? And I mean, because th- it's just done way crazier things. Um, this was just in a 22 minute drive. If it's making this amount of mistakes, it's not. <laughs> I mean, this is not a Boston thing. It's, it doesn't see mm-hmm. right here like a, a pedestrian, maybe. Um, and I have to take over. Uh, and and then it just go veers into the other lane. That's not a Boston thing. That's clearly a, a, a Tesla thing. Um, like right here. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that is crazy what it's doing. And it has nothing to do with where I'm driving. So this stuff has to happen in California, unless I have some, some bugged version of it that they keep updating and it's still buggy. I mean, which is obviously not the case. Okay. So go ahead. Sir. So like, I guess, you know, the, the big takeaway here is that, you know, as Tesla investors, as Tesla fans, um, as Tesla drivers, like, a, we're not crazy that, you know, when we drive FSD and it's not very good because, right. you know, you, you kind of like, you're, you're almost being gaslighted by the YouTube, uh, you know, videos you see where yeah. everybody is like, oh, this is great. It's fine. And I, you know, I, I drove from California, you know, from San Francisco to LA, no interventions, like, and then you can't even get like to the, you know, gas station without, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, it's just like. It, it feels like a weird like world where you look on YouTube or, and Twitter and you see a bunch of people doing well on FSD where in reality, everybody I know who's used it tells me like it, it's really not that good at all. And, you know, in my, my short experience with it, it, it was, it almost entirely fails. Yeah. So, and that's, and that's why after having it for three and a half months, I've been quiet. No one knew I had it. And then I was after I figured maybe someone, 60,000 people have it. Jeez. Someone has to maybe make, come out and say, this is, you're being lied to essentially. Right. Um, right. And, and so I, I was like, I'll just put, I'll just put some clips from a short drive together. Um, I have a lot more and even the craziest stuff. I don't, we don't film because honestly, no one wants to ride. None of my friends want to ride with me beyond the first few drives None of my colleagues want to do it. I mean, sometimes some of them are a little sick, but uh, they it's dangerous, especially as a passenger. And it's and I don't actually know what it's like as a passenger, um, but it's scary. I feel, I feel like it's way scarier as a passenger because you don't know if the driver, the actual human driver is going to take over or what. Um, but, yeah, I, I just I, I couldn't take it any longer with people. And I'm glad that so many people have reached out saying the same. And now they feel like they have a voice. I'm not to make it dramatic, but like. I cannot believe that there weren't more honest takes on it. Yeah, yeah I mean then, that that's been a, a. I remember when we we first reported uh, from you uh, about you was a, a few months ago, um, few months ago, yeah, when it, it was specifically an issue where back back then there was a lot fewer FSD beta testers. So we and we were solely relying on them and their their reporting their their videos that they were posting, 
And uh, it was an issue with a very prominent Tesla investors and, and, and promoter on, on Twitter and, and, and YouTube. Uh, well, I mean, I guess we can say his name is Galileo Russell posting one, yeah. a video that back then you, you didn't have FSD just yet, I think, back then? Uh, yeah. I think when I posted that, I had it. And I was, okay. I was basically like, if I see what a glimmer of, of what I'm actually experiencing in a video, mm-hmm. I have to share it because I didn't want people, you know, to, to think I had it at that time. So you, you saw one of his videos where um, mm-hmm. there was some serious issue with the driving there. There was a, literally a driving violation uh, in, in the video. Simply posted it and then he asked you to take down the video, I think, which was a click, uh, just a clip of his YouTube video that you posted on Twitter. Yeah. And uh, he also mentioned something about Tesla and that that's where that's where the all the not it wasn't an NDA but was uh, but the in the uh, signing of accepting the beta back then Tesla had a mention to be careful about what you share because mm-hmm. people want Tesla to fail and everything. Um, now that's true. Some people want Tesla to fail, but I think it's clear that everyone in this podcast right now doesn't want Tesla to fail. Uh, if FSD d- does come to reality, I'm, I'm sure you'd be the first one to. Uh, to to congratulate them on on the achieving that, but right now I think one of the biggest issues that you're highlighting here is that there's not a great understanding of the current capacity of the full self driving program. It is improving with with videos like you posting, and I think it's going to improve a lot more. That there's now mm-hmm. in the last few months alone, there've been a lot of people, uh, more people in the program, which is helping a lot. But it it is exposing a, a weakness in in the way Tesla is. is exposing the program really because we we've been relying solely on anecdotal reports from owners so we have to to go with reports like yours versus reports like um like a galileo russell was also an fsd program and of course that is a terrible way to do it because uh, russell is on the west coast i think uh, seattle uh, so somewhere right. like that and you're so. in boston so we have like different roads but like you said there's specific issues that are applies to both so uh, what's some, something I've been pushing for, and I, I did it in the post where Elon claims that uh, it's going to be safer to human by, by the end of the year. We, we need actual data on this. Like it, it would solve a lot of that problem of just like, who do you believe? Do you believe Taylor? Do you believe uh, Galileo? Uh, do you believe uh, Omar? Or, or do you believe like anybody else? Which or your eyes. That, yeah, or your own <laughs> eyes when you watch actual videos that he put. So. I, well, that that's the thing about when I when I post this, like people are accusing me of like of faking it and everything. That's which is the craziest argument. Literally, what I did was I engaged it, and it's supposed to navigate in these scenarios, and it just and it clearly it. didn't. Like, there, so obviously, I'm not lying about it. Um, and and even if even if I just mashed together hundreds of clips of it messing up, that's those are hundreds of times that a human needed to take over before an imminent crash, right? And and so if they're talking, they're still touting this level four. By now it's level four. Mm-hmm. It used to be level five in 2022, and then 2021, and then. Uh, but it yeah, it just takes one in a year. It takes one and mm-hmm. look at the. It, 2016 Waymo was at a disengagement rate of one disengagement per like tens of thousands of miles. And then 2017, they improved that and they improved it. And then they got to the point where they took the driver out of the, out of the vehicle and then they got the approval. So the other companies are doing it right. And I think that a lot of 
Tesla people don't, which is ironic because they of all people should follow the industry, follow the trends. And a lot of people don't realize that there are actual robo taxis out there. And it, it, it's but shocking. To, that play, they don't to play that. the devil's advocate here, though, like uh, Waymo does it in, in the geofence area yeah. that has been extremely mapped out in, in order to for their vehicle to perform uh, to level four in that specific area. So what, what do you say of like, I can, I, I can summarize pretty easily that you don't believe in the must timeline that it's going to get yeah. um, safer than human, even though that's also like that, the, the, the goal in itself is, is kind of a vague one, safer than humans. Like what, what does that imply exactly based on what data, what metric and everything? But do, do you, um, how, how do you see this idea now that, Okay, so FSD beta, you, can you yeah, admit that FSD beta has been improving, though, from what we've been seeing yeah. from October 2020 to uh, to now? Uh, Not basically. nearly as much as people say, but it, that it that would improved, be fair. Yeah. That would be fair, I think. But then the idea is that now that there's been a giant influx of 50 plus thousand people into the program um, over the last quarter, and these people feeding the data and helping the machine learning system improving, that should technically help us accelerate the rate of improvement. Um, what, 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 do you, what do you see about that and how that compares sure. to, to a company like Waymo that doesn't have that same data coming in? Well, Waymo has simulations you know, almost, like almost eight years of data. Also, mm -hmm. their simulation is, is much better than, I mean, almost anyone. They made their mm -hmm. own, which is very expensive to do. Um, but but Tesla is still relying on its its drivers to flag the videos for them, which is clever. Uh, and, and they've kind of gamified it, but also they're relying on humans to label and to classify those, those clips. And then they send a patch in the next uh, version to, to hopefully improve what's happening. Um, it definitely, it definitely helps, but everyone thinking that because Tesla has, you know, over a million vehicles on the road and they can capture all these edge cases. That's not how it works. I mean, they have to actually ask the fleet to send them an edge mm -hmm. case in the future. And then they have to pull that and know to pull that. I mean, it's, it really is not as much of a data play as people think. There certainly is a data play and 60,000 vehicles is driving even 10 miles a day is certainly a lot. Um, but they're still having to figure out what they want to, to, determine as edge cases mm. and so fortunately i think it's it is very good that they have um you know these these people who can press the camera button and then it sends it to them um what they do with that is is kind of we'll see um but yeah no there there certainly is a data play here um and that well i do i do like the idea of the the timing of the major increase in the beta tester pool seems to come around the time that Tesla, uh, I don't have any uh, inside information on that, but we, we've been hearing that uh, Tesla has been guiding people to, to think that they are starting to move from just uh, human labelers to an auto-labeling system. So the combination of those two could mean, uh, I guess I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate here. I'm not, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, I think I'm more optimistic than you on, on the FSD, but not, okay. not, not, I'm somewhere in between you and Elon maybe. <laughs> Which uh, hopefully uh, I think it's most Tesla fan like that. I don't think that most Tesla fan believe Elon's timeline at this point. If if they do, uh, which is kind of uh, crazy, first yeah, of all, that that you don't believe the mm. the CEO of the company on his timing of this, mm. uh, that's probably a red flag. Mm. And I say red flag for the mm. FSD thing. Um, yeah, maybe he he actually will deliver Cybertrucks next year. Mm. But um, yeah, no, it's it's pretty crazy that 
that I wonder what Elon actually is driving because he's either purposely being disingenuous to people when he says when he said like back on version 9.4 I'm driving the next version it it will blow your mind and it is what what version was he driving it's you would imagine that it's it's the alpha right of the next ver- I don't know so is is he is that really honest um I've I used to really look up to Musk but based on his comments and also how political he's getting getting recently um I I no longer do um, but and that's it's hard to these days. It really is. I think there's a lot of people in, in in your situation like that that uh, mm-hmm. are dissociating. Well, very recently, the, I think. Yeah, they're dissociating themselves from like a Tesla fan yeah. and an Elon fan, and or vice versa for some. Because <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of Elon fans that are not Tesla fan for some reason too, because of how know, he's aligning himself politically these days. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, it's it's a strange situation. But anyway, uh, I think I think your comments, uh, Taylor, were, were really useful. Uh, give another perspective on, on on FSD, and maybe maybe next week we bring on uh, someone that's like more optimistic on FSD, just to to, to compare, see uh, see, see what they think, just to. To, to, to be a bit uh, to, to get both sides of the coins but uh, I think at, at the very least uh, you, you gave a, a a good showing of, of your own experience with it and I don't think anyone can come out of this episode thinking that you are a Tesla hater even though that's what I use in the headline to be a little bit baby <laughs> uh, I think it, it's I appreciate it. you're a Tesla fan and uh, we appreciate your comments about FSD you can go follow uh, Taylor on his uh, on his uh, Twitter at Taylor Hogan uh, Yeah, that's 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 it. Okay. Taylor Ogan. Yeah, Ogan. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Thank All you, right. Taylor. Well, thanks, thanks Taylor. Thanks, Seth. Oh, go ahead. All right. Cut him off a little early. Sorry, Taylor. Yeah, yeah. That's that's our bad. All right. That was useful. I think um, useful perspective to have on FSD. Um, speaking of FSD, one quick comment before we move on from the subject, because that was a big story this week, the, the safety recall that Nanitsa posted about the rolling stop feature within, uh, within the FSD. That was uh, a big one this week. It's pretty simple. Um, since the beginning of the program, Tesla had this rolling stop feature that allowed the car to slow down. So instead of coming to a complete stop and then always stop, which is um, a four four way stop, uh, is there a difference between the two? Because I always refer to those as four way stop, but it's, it's they call it always stop. Yeah, there in the is. US, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Uh, if you, it's it's they call it the California stop too, uh, or uh, I mean in the in Canada or in Quebec at least we call it an American stop where you you don't stop fully you you just go slow down uh, a lot and if there's no one on each side you just you just keep going. Um, Tesla trying to replicate some kind of human driving behavior had this feature that you can enable and uh, that allows you to do that. Uh, but there was a bunch of requirements like you needed to. Um, The vehicle, uh, the vehicle must be traveling below 5.6 mile per hour. So you cannot just be like running through the stop. You already had slow down. Uh, no relevant moving cars are detected near the intersection. I, I like that, that mention of relevant. <laughs> some, some are, there can be some vehicle movings around it that are not relevant. Uh, uh, same thing for pedestrians or, or, or cyclists. Uh, there's sufficient visibility for the vehicle while approaching the intersection, and all roads entering the intersection have a speed limit of 30 miles per hour or less. So if all those criteria are met, the vehicle would uh, not come to a complete stop, which is technically a driving violation. Like if there's a cop there that catch you do that, it, it, it's a violation. So that has been in the system since the release in October 2020. But apparently, NHTSA just cut 
wind of it uh, last month. Uh, they met with Tesla about it. They talked about it in the, twice, in, <laughs> twice. Yeah. and uh, a week later, they uh, they said that they were gonna. Uh, Tesla voluntary recalled it. So there, there's been a lot of confusion about that. Like people are like, this is a voluntary recall. It shouldn't be a safety recall, whatever. Look, Tesla had that as a feature. Nitsa didn't like it. They told Tesla. Tesla was like, okay, we will roll it back. And then because Nitsa considers it a safety risk, they have to issue an official safety recall notice. So Tesla, even though it's voluntary, Tesla's kind of been like forced to do it really. Um, so the, the, that was the, this whole story. Like it was a recall, they recalling all Tesla vehicles, which interestingly basically gave us the actual numbers of cars in the FSD beta, which is in the U S um, which is, I think we, we think the only uh, market where FSD beta is available 53,822. So, uh, last month during the release of the earnings, Tesla disclosed almost 60,000, uh, so apparently 53,800 is almost 60,000, something like that. So Tesla said that in the few next releases, they're going to remove that feature. Though the next releases already came uh, this week with 10.10. And apparently people are saying that you can still do a rolling stop with the FSD beta after that. So it's going to be something to... We didn't look into it too much. So it's going to be something to keep an eye on in the, the coming days. But uh, so... so- this is yep. this is one of those rare lately incident or instances where I'm actually on Tesla's side on this. Like like everybody does two mile per hour rolling stops everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like Tesla also allows you to drive, you know, eighty five mile per hour on cruise control, you know, in a sixty five mile per hour zone. That's a good point. I mean, like if we're if we're going down to the law, it's gonna get mm-hmm. like driving on autopilot's gonna suck. Like mm-hmm. You're going to have to do really big stops in every stop. You're going to have to drive the speed limit, which means people are just going to mm-hmm. f- be flying around you. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what you do in this case because obviously a rolling stop, you could get a, a you know, pulled over, get a ticket. Um, you kind of have to be like, I don't know. There has to be almost like a uh, a hack or a, you know, like a, uh, a way to a way to kind of turn off the the uh, the stopping because you know I, well that that that's the one part of the argument on your on your side and on Tesla's side is also it was a feature that you unable or not like you you can disable it if you don't want it so right so, so people can decide so, whether so it's still the people deciding whether they break the driving laws right. or not um, but on the counter argument I think is it when we just had this whole conversation with Taylor, like it, it's, it's, it's still in beta. It's still not great. So do you want to have a feature that literally programs a uh, breaking driving laws into a beta program that is far from perfect <laughs> to say the least. Right. Um, so there's, there's, I, I see arguments on both sides. I, I, I think, I, I think that's uh, obviously heading towards the safer approach, which I think is fair. Uh, and Tesla, I mean, I don't know how much Tesla fought for it, but then the, the thing that happened after that, and I know a lot of people will, will, will say that I'm a broken record on, on that, but the reporting around it was kind of all over the place a little bit. Um, 
and uh, Tesla fans were not happy about it, and even Elon wasn't happy about it, and it led to uh, an AP reporter having to uh, not shut down their Twitter account, but having to protect. Uh, they have this feature of protected tweets where not everyone can interact with them, so that uh, if you are like in, get into trouble, you can activate that or whatever. And the AP reporter had, uh, I think, had to do it because uh, that next time I went to to their account, it was was activated and it wasn't before. So, um, but yeah. So what, what happened is. The um, some the, the reporting was like around the world recall is a problem too. There was another one too yesterday. The recall about this the seat belts, which uh, was uh, about the the chime warning you that the seat belt is on or not. Uh, Tesla had to recall all their vehicles basically in the U.S. because of it. Uh, and but the recall is only a software update. So people have this problem with Tesla when they the recall is only a software update, even though that's actually the word that that is being used. So a lot of people was, were were thinking that the reporting around it were, was misleading because uh, it, it made it sound like Tesla there was a defect when it actually was a, it was being recalled for a defect when it's actually a feature that's being rolled back. And the specific problem here was with reporter Tom Kreischer from the Associated Press, uh, which I read the guy's article. The art, article was extremely fair, and it was all based on the NHTSA recall notice, which is the only thing it can be based on because it's the only information that we have as reporters because we don't have Tesla's side on it. Uh, but the headline of it was clickbaity, to say the least. Like it was uh, the actual headline here was. Uh, Tesla recall, full self-driving software runs stop signs, which it's clickbaity, but technically it's accurate because it's technically running a stop sign. If there's a police there, they write, they write a ticket to the FSD beta, they would write that they run the stop sign. That's how, that's how it works. Uh, so the, the, the full self-driving software did allow that. I admit it's clickbaity. I don't know if it's Tom Kreischer. How do you pronounce his name? Uh, Kreischer? Yeah, I think so. Um I don't know if he, he, he wrote it because in a lot of those big publications like Associated Press, like the reporters does the reporting, write the article, and then a bunch of the editors go through it and they try to find like the most SEO-friendly, clickbaity headline possible. So that might be what happened. And other people are like, yeah, but like Fred, if you write an article uh, and uh, you're not okay with the headlines on it, like it's it's on you, like you should do like yes on 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 electric where it's basically me and set that decides like what goes on. I agree, like it's it's either on me or set whoever like writes the headline. But in this case, it's it, it can be different. I don't I don't think Tom Kreischer is a, is a, is a, like a part owner of Associated Press or anything like that. Uh, but we, what happened is that uh, so a lot of a lot of Tesla fans, including uh, Omar Quasi, by it goes by Walmart's catalog. Uh, went hard on Tom, called him a moron and all that. And then Elon jumped on it and called, even called him a lobbyist. <laughs> he said he's not a journalist and actually a lobbyist for writing his article. Is that, uh, is that considered a Bible? <laughs> I don't know because, I mean, I looked it up real quick. It's like, he, he, is he is actually – does he have information on this or is this another like pedo stuff like that he says it and then after the fact hires a detective to try to prove <laughs> whatever he claimed? And uh, I think it's more like the latter because <laughs> I didn't find anything about him a lobbyist. I think he's more saying that based on like this is – is the way he acts, he acts like a lobbyist instead of acting like a reporter. And then a lot of people brought like his former articles on Tesla, which a lot of them are negative. But then I looked him up, and yeah, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of his reporting uh, personally. But 
he's 10 stories negative about Tesla on his reporting, not because of his personal views of Tesla, which I don't know what they are, but his beat is covering NHTSA issues. So, of course, if you cover NHTSA issues, uh, you're, when you're going to talk about Tesla, you're going to talk about NHTSA investigation of Tesla. So it's going to sound more negative, of course. So it's not it's not that much his fault. But you remember, I actually, I, I remember that guy. Uh, you're going to remember that set. When we broke the news that Tesla is going to build a factory uh, in, in Austin, you remember what Tesla did back then? Yeah, they we, told it. Yeah, we broke the news that Tesla is going to build a factory in Austin. And then Tesla's PR department, which like was the, the last few days of the Tesla department <laughs> there, probably mostly Elon, really, uh, to counter our, our report, they leaked to three journalists. They leaked the information that, oh, uh, Tulsa is also still in the running, which wasn't the case anymore. Uh, we, we had confirmation that Elon said it's going to be in Austin. They were already hiring contractor for Austin. Everything was moving to Austin. They had already had the land and everything. So they, they laid that information to those guys and th- those people knew very well that Tesla was like giving them the information to counter the report that it was just in Austin, but they still ran with it saying that a source told us that Tes- Tulsa and Austin are the two companies in the running. So I wasn't a fan of that because like if I was in that situation, I wouldn't have reported like that. I wouldn't have used Tesla as a background when it's clear that what their goal was with, with leaking that information. Um, so yeah, I'm not like the biggest fan of that guy, but in, in, regardless of what you think of that guy, what happened here with Elon on like saying that and saying that on the top of a comment that calls him a moron from a guy that Elon always promotes on Twitter, that's giving the green light to all the fans to attack him. And sure enough, it led to him uh, protecting his tweets because of it. So this is this is this is definitely not uh, one of my favorite aspects of elon's character when he when he does things like that where it's not productive like it's it's weird i wonder if he because he you know he did leak to him earlier Mm -hmm. this uh you know maybe he's Mm -hmm. like well why are you being so negative on tesla we you know we leaked some information to you yeah they worked with him before for sure that's that's right so uh also the funny thing yeah nitsa you know there's no like nitsa like best evs award there's like it's only bad yeah. stuff like there's only if there's nitsa news it's not good like you want to be yeah. clear of nitsa at all times but not only that too like he was also like putting it on him to call it like a safety recall but that's not him that's also nitsa that called it a safety recall like they said it was a safety risk and and so here and here's the thing that goes back to me being a broken record about tesla dissolving the pr department I remember several times when Tesla's PR department, when it existed, reaching out to me prior to a recall notice going out. Because there's a, a time between the two where like, the Nitsa and Tesla knows there's going to be a recall. And be, before it goes public, they can talk to journalists about it and everything. I had calls from Tesla PR that like, look, Fred, there's going to be a recall notice coming out tomorrow. Uh, this is about that. Let me give you some background that explains why. And a lot of those calls were about... like recalls that could be fixed with a software update where tesla would tell us okay like this so in this case here tesla could have explained like look this is not a defect with the cars this is nothing like that this is a feature that was in the call that nitsa doesn't like so we are we accepted to roll it back like if if tesla would have reached out to journalists beforehand and they did that with tom kreischer before like i've seen a few of his articles back then where tesla had those comments and yes those articles are 
more representative of 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 the um, of Tesla's side of the situation because it, it is being communicated to them ahead of time instead of just like all right, I have to just base my whole reporting on this report, which is kind of cut and dry um, versus like Tesla's side of things. This wouldn't happen if Elon was in the sole Tesla spokesperson anymore. Yeah, I think I think Elon was super pissed uh, mm-hmm. that somebody that that they had a relationship with in the past had you know you know done something to hurt Tesla, um, which with, we've been in this situation before, <laughs> right? So we know that we know what that feels like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's just it's not cool. Like it, Tesla is such a huge company now too, and. There is value in Elon being like promoting the company and being huge on Twitter and all that. There's a ton of positive value, but this is not one of them. Like this, this is one of the situation where a, a, a good Tesla PR department would shows a lot of uh, usefulness and would help Tesla's reputation and, and and honestly help Elon's reputation because I don't think he helped his own reputation there by calling this guy a lobbyist with no proof whatsoever, other than not liking his particular reporting on this. So, all right. Enough Elon bashing for the day. Okay, we're done. Um, not that that's actually a thing that we're doing right now. Uh, Tesla, uh, the supercharger map update. This is this is a cool one here. Oh, let's just. Oh, oh, I thought it was gonna pop up. My bad. Come on. So Tesla, every every year at the beginning of the year, Tesla does this. Uh, these map updates that are pretty useful where well pretty useful you have to take them with a grain of salt but sorry i'm not able to show pop it up for some reason sometimes it pops up in another window yeah so that's what i'm trying to avoid right now but it's uh it's it's not working very well you can click right click on the link and paste it into the url that's oh. what i'm trying to do oh. but uh, let me a second here while you're doing that let me just reach out to all the supercharger people at tesla and say mm-hmm. bennington vermont put one there it's like a black hole of tesla superchargers it would be perfect for all the new yorkers going skiing every weekend bennington did, vermont did you check the updates see if there's anything I did. There? yeah no, there's, there's nothing, nothing. Yeah, let me check there's right. actually an electrify america at the walmart there so oh. it's not the worst so yeah, every year Tesla updates their map. You have to go to the Find Us map and then click on Supercharger, and you have the the gray ones that are the upcoming ones. Um, and every year Tesla updates those to to give us ideas of uh, new location. There's not perfect location, but it tells us okay, we're trying to get a Supercharger there. Now there's a bunch of things that goes into that. You need to then find a property owner. On the, you need to find a property that makes sense for it. You need to have an agreement with the property owner. You need to find a contractor to actually do the prep work to get the supercharger there. Then you need to ship the supercharger there. You need to get it approved with the municipality. You need to get it approved with the local utility. Then you need to install everything and turn it online. This is a lot of things that need to go right to make it happen. So a lot of the timelines, they slip behind. Uh, so the other useful thing with the map update is you can you can go on them and click on the on on the um, actual new supercharger and you get the new update because like this one for example I think was showing a Q4 2021 uh, until the update this week now it's Q3 2022 so it's still going to be um, a while before we can go to uh, Abitibi uh, through Valdor to um, through the supercharger network but here in Quebec uh, we saw a few new ones. Uh, but mostly uh, updated timelines for for existing uh, plan ones. 
There's a lot of them in the Northeast plan, which is already a, a widely covered area. Not and, Bennington, uh, though. Not Pennington. <laughs> we got it set. You need one in Pennington. Um, Texas, I mean, uh, Austin is seeing a lot of love from the network. There's a lot of new plant station. Uh, I wonder no why. There. Uh, Tesla fan in Mexico are asking, are asking for a lot more there. And uh, Elon did comment on Twitter that he's, he's going to try to do it. Uh, there's uh, not a lot in Mexico on the west coast of the um, of the country. I mean, yeah, could Baja. you even make it down? Like if you were down mm-hmm. at the bottom, could you make it to the? I guess you could go up to to Texas. Like if you, uh, uh, by the bottom, I mean not actually to Central America, but uh, if you are in uh, uh, Oaxaca, you can you can go up to Mexico City and to the, the Texas. I'm in Baja. I'm in Cabo right now, and I mean the whole. I know that's not really a populous. Baja California is not really populous, but you cannot get from California to uh cabo is no superchargers at all there uh in europe europe also got a ton more and uh for good reason because uh tesla is starting to open up the supercharger network in europe to non-tesla evs uh they started with the netherlands and now they are expanding to norway and uh france so there's not about 40 station or so that are open to uh, non-Tesla EV owners. The, it's not the whole network in those countries. It's still a few stations in those countries. Tesla is still testing the program to see. Um, I cannot actually show them right now because you, you you can see them if you're... Actually, I could probably show them by just... Uh, um, you do this like that, and then you go... I think Belgium owners can uh, can use them. Yeah, so then you can click right here. Oh, well, you unclick everything, basically. And uh, you keep only supercharger open to non-Tesla uh, vehicles. And then you can see them here. Uh, so you have about 40 stations uh, in France. So all over France. One in Paris, even. A uh, few in Netherlands. That was Those were already open. And a few in Norway, which is one of Tesla's biggest market per capita, if not the biggest market per capita. Uh, so it's going to be interesting here because uh, there's also a lot of other non-Tesla vehicles, electric vehicles in Norway that could want to try the the network. And Tesla's going to be able to see like, how that affects the load there. And um, they're, they're starting in Europe for obvious reason that the, the supercharger network is already using the CCS adapter, which is used by all other EVs, uh, except the whole, the, the whole LEAF. So it's going to give them a. It's going to be easier for them to adopt if they do that in the U.S. or in Canada. They're going to have to uh, to uh, use an adapter. Though apparently Tesla is already thinking about that. They said they even have a way to have the adapter at the station, so you don't need to buy your own one. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see when Tesla does implement that, which uh, could be relatively soon, since uh, we did uh, note that, that Tesla, if they want to have access to the seven point five billion dollars that uh, the uh, U.S. federal government is unlocking for a new charging station. It needs to be charging stations that are open to more than one automaker, vehicle vehicles from more than one automaker. That's the exact phrasing. So Tesla is going to have to do that soon if they want to apply for, for those big grants and help them accelerate the deployment of supercharging station. All right, that was our big uh, exclusive story yesterday. We uh, we got our hands on a building permit application from Tesla for a new project on the Gigafactory Texas piece of land. 
And so this is what we're looking right now. This is the main building. This is the original project uh, that Tesla applied for in his building. And this is going to be where there's the Model Y production line. I expected also Model 3 production line to come, Cybertruck. A lot of things going to be made there, some battery production made there too. But um, there's other, like this is, this has over 2,000 acres of land all around this this project here. Like uh, you can see, this is this is where the factory is. Uh, the main building, I should say, that is already built right now. Uh, and all the green spot, the whole piece is a land that Tesla owns. So there's a lot of spot for expansion. Uh, last year, we already learned of a new project called Project Bobcat, which we don't know exactly what that's going to be, but that's a separate new building on about 97 acres. So a, a quite a large building too. We don't know what it is for, but now Tesla applied for a new one called Project Cathode. Uh, on 32 acres, so another significant building here, quite big. And uh, there's no in the in the actual notes. There's no information other than it's the applicant is proposing an industrial use facility, aka a factory, uh, along with associated improvements. So all the necessary uh, utilities that you need for that building. But the name itself is pretty obvious that this is going to be a cathode factory. Um, Tesla already announced plan for a cattle factory uh, at the battery day in 2020. So Drew Baglinos, senior vice president of engineering at Tesla, said, we're going to go and start building our own cattle facility in North America, leveraging all of the North American resources that exist for nickel and lithium. And just doing that, um, ju- just localizing our cattle supply chain and production, we can reduce miles traveled by all materials that end up in the cattle by 80%. So lithium and the cathode is the most expensive part of your battery normally. Uh, it's the one with as that has the most uh, nickel in it, which is uh, expensive, and it is the the metals that is most uh, in batteries by weight. Uh, and then you have lithium that is a lot less, but lithium is more expensive per weight, so it's also an expensive part of the uh, of the battery. And yes, uh, nickel and lithium production in North America is extremely rare. So Tesla wants to build the whole cattle. So they said North America at that point, but now we know it's going to be at the Gigafactory Texas site. And Tesla has a new way of producing it that's more simple, uh, requiring less capital and less uh, waste. Now they need the material to do it, though, which is not quite there because uh, Tesla gets most of its nickel from Val, uh, which gets nickel from like Australia and Brazil and uh, other South American countries. And lithium um, from from Australia and a few other places too. So it's it, North America is not known for it. It's, it has a lot of nickel and and uh, and lithium. It's just not in production much. Uh, so Tesla has been making moves lately to to help that happen. So there was the deal uh, last uh, not last year, uh, right after they announced the battery day in, in 2020. Tesla announced a deal with Piedmont Lithium in, in North Carolina to advance their project to produce uh, lithium locally. And then more recently, just the last month or a month before that, they announced a deal with Talon Metals for nickel uh, with a new mining operation in uh, Minnesota. Now, these are what we call junior mining companies. So they don't have production yet. They have projects that are in the various stage of uh, operation, but they're not producing anything just yet. So these deals help those companies secure financing to advance those projects. And I would expect Tesla to make a lot more of these deals because uh, 
there's going to need a lot of lithium in North America because we don't know how big that kettle facility is going to be, but it's going to be quite big if it's going to be supplying uh, over 100 gigawatt hour of production capacity per year. All right, this was a cool one there. Um, for those who don't know, make sure that you have the latest Tesla mobile app on your phone right now. Uh, and it was a weird one. Both said and I experienced the same things where the, if you have automatic update, it didn't actually update, uh, automatically update it for this one. So you have to go to the app store and, and push the update. Uh, but if you do that, uh, on, I think it's on every car except the ones with the MCU one. So MCU two and up, you're going to have this feature. It's called chart stats. Uh, you go down into, uh, to, to your, your features on your specific car. You click on chart stats. And then this little pages appear here that gives you more information on your your charging habits, whether it's at your home, at superchargers, or at other locations. Here it says other ninety seven percent, but this is actually like a home charging. It's because this is my my car, and that is I lend it to my friend while in Mexico. So this is, it, it's all home charging. But what's very useful is that you can then um, go to those locations, whether it's other location or home, and you can enter the utility provider and the specific rates that you have. And Tesla is going to give you an exact amount of how much you're spending on your charging and gives you an equivalent in gas savings. So this this thing that Tesla does on their website that you always have to click like actual purchase price instead of, of price after savings, where Tesla gives you like a rough estimate of your potential gas savings. This is actual like very a good representation of your gas saving there. So you see here in the last month, uh, I save or actually my friends save about two hundred thirty dollars of uh, of gas by using the car instead of a gas car. Uh, set you had yours here uh, that I posted that gives a clearer example of a of a different use case 50% charging at home 18% at superchargers and 30% at other which is mostly your uh, place in Vermont which right. I don't know uh-huh. did, did you you didn't end up maybe did you do the special rates for them or, or that was before that yeah so Vermont has uh, a different rate scheme than New York uh, New York um, is it's it's really almost untenable because you have to charge you have to charge basically your power walls and your cars between midnight and 8 a.m and that means there's like um 18 hours where you have to you know go off of your other stuff so admit it's it's really hard so they have a system called um uh smart charge where you you either put a thing in your car or you allow them access to your a Tesla account, and then they give you credits for charging in the middle of the night. So that's one way of doing it. The other way is in Vermont, you can charge anytime except from 2 to 8 p.m., and it's a lower rate. Um, so you can see we're going to Vermont. We're, you know, we stop at a supercharger briefly, and then we charge uh, in Vermont. And then on the way back, we go to a supercharger. It's just kind of um, the pattern and that this is our model Y. So it's not, um, you know, we're not leaving a lot these days, I guess it, around 40 kilowatt hours per day is the average, but obviously on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, we're not driving too much. So yeah, you can see that you spend a little bit more, like, almost twice as much energy as, uh, my model three did last month, but with the supercharger rates, uh, your different rates at home and others, you end up saving about 186 bucks uh, over that month, which is still pretty good. 
yeah, supercharging is free for us because we had the uh, referrals. Um, it's it's almost free when we charge in New York because of the uh, smart charge, and it's like twelve cents per hour in, in Vermont. Yeah. All right, we have uh, one more thing to discuss: uh, the sets Kia EV first drive that uh, I did last week in California. Uh, so, but before we go to that, make sure that if you have any question for us, because we're gonna have a little bit of time to discuss any questions at the end of the show, whether it's about the EV6 or anything else that we discussed during the show or another topic that you want us to address this week, put then in the comment section right now. Uh, if you can put in all caps or a question in all caps, that would be helpful for us uh, to find them easier because there was a lot of comments this week. Um, but uh, yeah, set uh, the EV6, one of the most exciting cars this year, I think, coming. What did you think? It's a great car. Uh, you know, I'm not so uh, Kia doesn't have a great reputation for making exciting sports cars. They're usually on the lower end of the spectrum. Um, although I did drive a Kia Soul uh, way back uh, when it was they had the first electric edition, and I thought they did a pretty good job with that. Um, but you know, like I don't know, whenever I get a Kia at a you know at an airport uh, rental car, I was always kind of bummed. And they weren't terribly good. Um, so this is this was like a really like eye-opening experience. They've done a lot of job on the quality. You know, the doors close very, you know, well. The everything works really well. There's no knocks or pings. It's quiet. Doesn't feel like a cheap car. Doesn't feel like a cheap car at all. Even the door handles, I thought like were done pretty well. Um, they have the uh, you know they're they're flat. Uh, when you're driving, but um, when you're you walk up to it, they present themselves, and there's even a keyhole that uh, you know if the power goes out or whatever, you can open the door with a, a key, like cavemen. Um, it was nice. Also, uh, our old friend Brad Berman was was there, and we we drove together, so we mm-hmm. got to catch up with him and bounce you know our thoughts off of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, the software on the the dashboard uh, was my first like. Oh, this is an amazing, um, that it, it's just designed without a, a good UX, uh, person, uh, involved. Um, obviously CarPlay and Android auto are a nice addition. Um, it does wireless and wired versions of that. Um, mm-hmm. so I don't know. I, I, I did the wired, uh, Android, uh, CarPlay and the mapping was uh, really good. Uh, unfortunately, I had to use the maps uh, that Kia provided, you know, and all the waypoints with their own system. And that wasn't as great. Um, some things that I, I really enjoyed about uh, this car was if you turn your left turn signal on, uh, you can see in this uh, image that we're looking at, you get a picture of the left side of your car and, you know, the same with the right side. Mm-hmm. That's something like I didn't know I needed, but... It's just great. And, you know, another thing that I think you you agree with this, um, it's really nice to have a heads-up display, even if it's just, you know, a speedometer, whatever. Um, a heads-up display is just really nice to have, um, especially when you get into a new car that you've never driven before. It's just like, oh, wow, that's nice. If it's a good uh, one. if it, 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 There's been some. But I, more recently, I've only been in good ones, though. Like the the most recent iterations of them, are they're getting pretty good. Yeah, this one was particularly clear, um, but and it was very easy to read. And but it wasn't like you know over overwhelming and just kind of faded into the background. Um, so yeah, so how how did the car drive? Um, the 
the all-wheel drive version, which has, uh, I think, close to 300 horsepower, uh, drives really well. Like, I would compare it. I, I don't think it's quite as fast as my Model Y, but it's pretty close. Um, and I have just a regular model, you know, all-wheel drive Model Y. Um, they have two versions down from that, though. Um, the rear-wheel drive version uh, has a little, like, 220 horsepower. Um, that, I would say, is kind of equivalent maybe even slower than like my old Chevy bolt. Um, and then below that they have like 167 horsepower, which I imagine is probably something similar to like, you know, a 10 year old Nissan leaf. It's gotta be like incredibly slow. So I don't know if I would even consider the the base model, even though it has, you know, a well over 200 miles of range. Um, I would at least jump up to the, um, I think 77 kilowatt hour battery, yeah, the bigger pack. Yeah. I would at least go there and, you know, if you love driving, do yourself a favor and, and get the all-wheel drive uh, version. Um, it's just better on turns, better acceleration, all that. Um, you're looking at the front right now. That, to me, just seemed like, man, they really didn't they didn't really send it on that one. Um, it looks like somebody threw a suitcase in, into, like, the engine compartment of a car. Um and it it doesn't fit much. And why would you open two doors to get into you know to put lug to put groceries in there or whatever? So nobody's going to use it for everyday items. It's going to be used for did you use on your on your Tesla, which you know popularized the frunk, if you will? Like, did you use it that much? Because I don't find myself using the frunk that much. I we use, use it for trunk. groceries quite a bit, right. um, particularly because that area isn't heated up by the car, so it, it mm-hmm. stays cool in the winter, especially. So, like, when we go to Vermont and we're bringing groceries with us, we oh. put it all in the front so it stays cold. Mm, um, but oh, you have yeah. a view of the, the heads-up display here. No? no? Yeah, that's a little video. It's oh. something Kia put together. Um, yeah, the heads-up display uh, wasn't, like, I feel like the Mercedes one that we, we drove in Germany was, like, the, the best I've ever seen. But this one was solid. It wasn't, like you know, the best I've ever seen, but it, it, it just worked really well. And like right out of the, 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 the gate, it was like, Oh, I get it. Um, let's see what else in the back. There's plenty of storage in the back. Um, it, it, the car kind of reminds me of the I-Pace and it's, you know, size yeah. and, and, and shape. But I remember the I-Pace didn't have much room in the back where this one I think is comparable to maybe a, a model Y or, you know, it, the, this one kind of lives right between the Model Y and a Model uh, 3 in terms of size and, and it, it maybe a little bit bigger uh, or wider. Um, inside, super comfortable. Um, similar to the uh, the Ionic, strangely, even though the Ionic's a different shape on the outside, it, it felt very similar. You know, they have the two 12-inch screens right next to each other. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to recommend to other people. Um, mm-hmm. You know, people who are saying, you know, I have $50,000, I want a good SUV type-ish uh, EV. There's there's plenty of options out there. But I think this is a pretty good one. Um, you know, 310 miles of range, can't beat that. It's pretty good. I don't know. You have any questions yeah. about it? No, I mean, I've been a fan, and uh, I think you, you confirmed a lot of uh, what, what, what I was uh uh, thinking about about the vehicle, I, I mean, it, it it came maybe a tiny bit more expensive than we thought, especially about, right. uh, because our expectation we kind of adjusted with the Ionic Five. Like 
because it's on the same platform and everything. They went when the Ionic Five pricing were announced. Like, oh, this is really interesting. We knew it was going to be a little bit more expensive with the EV6, but uh, like it, like you said, like you compared it to your to the Model Y, but that's also because you have a Model Y. It's not just because you're trying to like compare it to Tesla. Um, you have to compare it with the all-wheel drive for, for Tesla. That's the, that's the thing is the only available in all-wheel drive. But I think it's going to be a good car too for like people that just like, if you're not coming from a Tesla, if you're not coming from an all-wheel drive car and you're fine with the rear-wheel drive uh, package and, and a little bit, uh, not as much range, though you can get more range too with the, um, is it a $47,000 version with the bigger battery, which is like giving you like a mold three kind of a, uh, uh, pricing for for an even longer range it's starting to get interesting yeah and so one one differentiator obviously the charging is interesting with the 800 volt um you can get uh 210 miles in 18 minutes which you know that's that's amazing obviously um in real world you'll probably never get that fast but you'll maybe you'll get close um the the biggest thing to me and and maybe you can call this an exclusive um, we talked to the the guy, uh, his name's uh, Steve, uh, who kind of knows more than anything anybody else there. Like all the PR people were very not uh, versed on the, the intricacies of this. But we were really curious about like, all right, you know, the Ford F-150 can output, you know, close to 10 kilowatts of electricity. It can power a house. Obviously, this car, if you step on the gas, it can, it can put out more than 10 kilowatts of power. Why can't this power a house? And he, and he said, well, you know, it says 1.9 kilowatts for the U.S. market, but really it's the same hardware. So as Europe, and Europe has 3.6 kilowatts, or, you know, obviously double that, because they use 220 volts, the same, you know, 15 amps. So basically if your house can survive on 3.6 kilowatts, which a lot of houses can, I mean, my house like idles under two kilowatts, um, you can power your house with this. And, uh, you know, if they decided that maybe they could bump it up to five kilowatts or 10 kilowatts, Mm -hmm. then it would be all the, all the easier to do. I really think with what Ford did and, and the, the, uh, excitement around the F-150 powering your house in a blackout, I really think that Kia, uh, Hyundai, the eGMP like brands really need to see what they can do and and create a use case for this and and like here's the cable that you use to plug in your generator port or here you know here's how you do it here's a deal with Sunrun whatever but it's absolutely an opportunity they they could take advantage of. Yeah, I agree. All right, should we uh, should we jump into the comments over yeah, an the- hour? And- they're uh, they're a little bit uh, thin oh. with questions, and mostly uh, early on, we're we're talking about. Um, yeah, it's gonna be tough to find a question. <laughs> yeah, here we go. All right, uh, any idea? So this is the Jose. Any idea how prospective forty six eighty Model Y buyers living in California or outside Texas should strategize? Make sure we get forty six eighties. Thanks. Well, first you need to know: Do you want to get the forty six eighty? I think this is a balance here because, of course, this is like kind of a new car too. I mean, I don't Model Y is not a new car, but the new structural battery pack and the 4680s, this is like a big part of the technology that you're buying. Uh, and we know that being an early adopter has its downsides too. However, we do expect some things that Tesla doesn't announce with the uh, 4680, some potential improvement in charge rates. 
some improvement in longevity. So you're, you, if everything goes well, you might actually do get a much better car. Uh, as for deciding that's we, we uh, or trying to strategize to get one, I don't know how you can do that. Uh, the only thing, I, I guess, if you do get your VIN, you're going to be able to confirm whether uh, one of the letters in the VIN tell you if it's from Austin or if, from Fremont. So you're going to be able to confirm it. If you just order a Y, you're going to know, okay, this is once you get your VIN number. I guess you could refuse the car and hope to get another one that, that gets it. But other than that, I don't, I don't know how you can ask Tesla to do it. I don't know. If, I mean asking Tesla for things is <laughs> it's not the easiest thing. Yeah, you can even ask. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the other thing is, like, do you want to be the first person to get a 4680 car? Yeah, you should ask your... It looks like the Jose already uh, already knows the answer to that. Like, yeah, it's going to be different for everyone. But, uh, yeah, for most people, you should have, ask yourself that first. All right, Coach DA says, EV6, Ionic 5 reviews are looking pretty good. Do you know how many they plan to make? Uh, so we don't know how many they plan to make. Um, there's a couple of factors involved. One, uh, you never really ask an automaker how much they plan to make because, mm-hmm. you know, they they really don't know, one. And two, that number is like super secret for some reason. Um, I actually remember uh, somebody getting chewed out by like the Chevy people for asking wow. that. Uh, so, yeah, don't do that. Anyway, uh there's a the other factor is um, Europe really loves the EV6 and Ionic Five. Um, they can't get enough of them, and because there's like a bigger incentive program in Europe than there is in the U.S., um, Hyundai and Kia are are sending a lot more of the cars there than they are sending to the U.S., which sucks for us. But you know, like maybe we can get our incentive program together, we'd be in better shape. Call your congressman. All right. Uh, Patricia Benedon, Patricio Benedon says, what do you know about one, our next energy working together with Tesla at some point? Do you know? Yeah, I've, I've looked them up once. I mean, the, the interesting stuff about breakthroughs in battery technology, but just, you know how those are. You have to be super careful until until we get like very concrete information. Like the, the, the one that like the most hyped about is, is Quantum Scape because they've been a very uh, forward about what kind of prototype they have and w- the limitation of their prototypes and what it's going to take to get it to volume commercial production. Uh, one, I haven't seen as much information on that front from there. So until, until we get that, it's, it's going to be hard for me to have any useful opinions on that. All right. Uh, KC5 GTS, any movement on Tesla letting Tesla sell? Oh, sorry. Any movement on Texas? Letting Tesla sell cars direct. Nothing new. I mean, but, uh, the, the uh, I'm not a good understanding of the legislation at the state level in Texas. I know they don't they have they don't meet that often. They, they have like short uh, sessions that they can actually propose new laws. Uh, I mean, it's a small government kind of state in the U.S. Like they are anti not anti government, but like they don't want the government get involved too much and things like that. So it shows in their state legislature. So uh, I'm sure that they're going to be a little bit more open to it. Uh, but at the end of the day, like the people that take your decisions are also taking money from the dealership. So it's going to be a hard one to pass. Yeah, I saw that uh, Rivian was making progress in Georgia where they're having their second factory. Mm-hmm. So yeah. 
uh, maybe that'll shame Texas into it. Probably not. Um, Seth, if you had to do it again, would you buy the EV6 uh, or iNOC 5 versus the Tesla Model Y? Well, the Tesla Model Y is, first of all, it's my wife's car, so <laughs> it would be up to her. Uh, but uh, there's nothing back like that back then. Uh, if I was to do it again, it would be a really tough call. Um, I do like some of the stuff Tesla offers. Obviously, the charging station, uh, there's way more of them. They're more reliable, easier to use. Um, I do like uh, the video games or, you know, the 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 video the stuff that you can do with the screen, even though it's, it's not a, not a game changer or it's not a, it's not a decision maker for me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a tough call. Uh, both cars are pretty awesome. Uh, really can't go wrong there. Uh, my wife and I have this decision, you know, this discussion all the time, like, you know, Tesla's are going for over ask, you know, over their new price used. So we're thinking, Oh, we should sell now and get more. And then, you know, buy something else, but every, something else is always sold out as well. So it's tough. Yeah, it's a tough market right now for buyers. Yeah, <laughs> a great one for sellers. All right, uh, last question at the moment: Is it possible to upgrade the power on a BV, BEV in the same way you can chip an ICE vehicle? Uh, I mean, to a degree, yes. I mean, we've yeah. seen we've seen people, on, yeah, Tesla like those upgrades. So it depends on on the everything is software limited to a degree. So if you can actually hack the car and and unleash some of the power, either Tesla does it, or we've seen uh, hackers do it on, on on their own cars, or even offering as a service. Uh, NGINX, for example, in Quebec has been offering that. It's been a bit controversial, but they they've done it. So yeah, it's technically it's, it's possible. All right, and that's I think that's it for this week's episode, guys. Everyone, I appreciate you watching. Uh, if you're watching right now, we, we have over 100 people on the stream watching right now. You can give us a like on the YouTube right now. It's free to do, and uh, it helps the show more. You can think it takes a second, and we appreciate it greatly. So if you can go ahead and smash that like button right now, I uh, appreciate it. And uh, subscribe if you want to uh, be notified when the next episode comes out. Uh, and with big thanks to uh, Taylor for being on the show this week and uh, sharing his uh, opinion on the FSD. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, that's going to be it for us this week.